You see, many people know who Ezekiel, they know Jeremiah, they know Isaiah, but there are less people that know Obadiah. They don't know who maybe Zechariah, let alone Zephaniah, who they are. And so Dr. Brock Miller, what he does is he goes ahead and shows us who these minor prophets are, why they're called minor prophets, what it meant for the original audience back then, and what relevance does God's message through them have for us today, 2,000 years later. And so join Dr. Miller and his class on the minor prophets here Sunday nights at 6 p.m. in one of our growth groups. If you're looking for something to do Sunday nights at 6 p.m., we'd love to have you join us for our growth groups. Like I said, right down there, 6 o'clock p.m. on Sunday nights. Basically, what we do is we try to have great fellowship as well as digging into Scripture. If the Bible is God's special revelation to mankind, you and I would do well to understand what God is trying to get across for us. And so we do this through two types of adult growth groups. We have two classes that are available. One, so uh, how many people have heard about the Asbury Revival? Okay. <laughs> I'm not talking about that tonight, okay? So, uh, not talking about that. There's been a lot of discussion as far as that, and, you know, if you want to know my personal thing, you know, uh, really, you can't truly tell revival until after the fact. Revival is a change that's in the heart that God works in your heart, and then that revival will go ahead and just make you want to live a different life, at least for a season, because the Christian life is all about this, right? And those of us that have been Christians any length of time trying to live our life for the Lord knows there's up, downs, turns, and valleys, and mountaintops, things like that. So is that true revival? I'm not going to go into that topic, but really you can't tell a true revival until what's happened after the fact in the life of the people. That being said, how many people ever had doubts or questions about maybe the faith, maybe about God, Jesus, maybe the will, what's going on in my life? Uh, I'm curious, you know, if you would be so willing, how many people ever questioned some things you were taught about the Bible, maybe some convictions you hold to, but then you just sort of questioned it and that you had to really study to find out, do you really believe that? How many people? I'm just curious. Okay, quite a few of us, right? Like Pastor Ken said this morning, uh, a lot of times, he alluded to this, a lot of times people think pastors are like these super spiritual Christians, that's not the case. Anybody that's been in church ministry, church leadership, any sort of pastoral position knows that we're just sinful, fallen human beings just like everybody else. Now, there are biblical requirements to be a pastor as far as being able to manage your own household, be above reproach, be able to teach, stuff like that. But we have same struggles that everybody else does. You know, a lot of times there's unrealistic expectations that are levied upon pastors that they're beating themselves up because they don't even meet their own expectations, let alone the churches, right? And so I've had a lot of doubts and questions myself. And I got saved back in 09 when I was 27 years old. And God just did a really strong work in my life and gave me a burden to study scripture, uh, to really look into Christian apologetics, defend the faith, give answers for the hope that lies within us with meekness and in fear, to contend for the faith, which was earnestly, uh, earnestly contend, which was once delivered to the saints. And so things like that. But even though there is that burden, that passion, that fire, that zeal, there's been times where my flesh, my mind, the adversary, 
they want to put seeds of doubts in my head. And there's some of you that I've talked somewhat intimately about, about things like that. And others may never know. But I'd be lying if I ever told you that I never questioned if God was real. I'd be a liar if I said, even during my Christian faith, that I've ever questioned whether my faith was real or the cross was real. It gives me a lot of solace in the fact that John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ, his purpose in ministry was to identify the Messiah on whom the dove would land on his shoulder. That would be the Messiah. John chapter 1 clearly says that's why he was baptizing. Even when he was in prison, he had doubts. He said, is he the Messiah or should we look for another one? And this is the one that was foretold and prophesied in Malachi and other passages in the Old Testament. And yet, whether it was the flesh, his circumstance, the adversary, there was a doubt that crept in to his mind. And so I was struggling with that for a long time. And I'd like to say that was the only time I really struggled with it, but it's, I don't know if it's because my apologetics bent and that I really want to study the defense of the faith and just that's something that I wrestle with. And so it's bothered me for a long time, and I had to get away. And so the last few days, I wasn't here Wednesday because I had to get alone with God. I had to figure some things out, you know. And I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I put my faith in finished work of Christ on the cross for my sins. I can argue with any atheist as far as why the cross, why the resurrection has to be true, and all the evidences on why it is true. I could argue with anybody to prove all that. But there is something that came into me. It was like money, money is worthless if you don't have peace in your soul. You know, I was just, it's like the flesh, the adversary, something was getting to me. And so I just, I had to get away. And so I spent a few nights out at uh, Fort, in Fort uh, uh, Pelham, Alabama, in Oak Mountain State Park. Never been there before. The reason why I have Band-Aids on is because apparently I got bit uh, quite a few times out there by spiders or some unknown bugs. But what I did was I was finding revival for myself. You don't need to go to Kentucky to find revival. You don't need to go anywhere to find revival other than there and there and there. Those are the three places. We have to have a heart for revival. We have to have the scriptures we have to have a communication open line with God to find revival. And that's what I needed to do. And I can tell you, I am so much better. I haven't felt this much zeal and fire again in my life than I do tonight. And it's all because I was able to get this time alone with God. But Psalm 138, verse number 3, really spoke to me. And with this, I want to launch off. In Psalm 138, verse 3, the psalmist writes, in the day when I cried, thou answerest me, and strengthenest me with the strength in my soul. And when I was trying to figure out what's going on and get some answers, some questions that I had, that passage really spoke to me. Now, there's time when I was deployed in, in Qatar, and I was angry with God, and I verbally vocalized it with God. And the very next day was the most powerful experience of my life as a Christian of God reaching out and reaching me. It was amazing. But then again, life happened, and, and attacks come, and now I'm back here again. And then God just 
gave me this verse. And the day when I cried, you answered me. I don't know about you, but being a man, I have this thing called man pride. And men don't cry, right? Men don't cry. How long has it been since you've seen me shed a tear, you know? When, I was, when we were dating and early on marriage, I would never show emotions around Rebecca. I would joke, be like, I, I don't have tear ducts, you know? But it's very humiliating, especially if you have that, you know, male ego like I did, to actually cry or say, God, I can't do this. I can't do this. And so that's what I had to do and get alone with God. What I want to do tonight is just go ahead and show some pictures. And, and I'm not trying to say God literally spoke to me on this retreat, if you will. But as I was going through this retreat and I was doing some hikes and thinking and talking to God and meditating on Scripture, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit revealed some aspects of my questions and some aspects of my walk that gave me such clarity on some things that gave me a newfound fire and passion. And my prayer for tonight isn't just to show pictures and stuff. My prayer for tonight is that in some way, shape, or form, God will use what he revealed to me for you in any of these battles, struggles, or questions you have. I'm going to be talking about a few different topic areas. You may be struggling with all those like I was. You may be struggling with one of them. I just pray what the Lord was revealing to me he reveals it to you and helps encourages you and strengthens you with that. So there's a couple pictures. Uh, this is right outside my cabin that I stayed in Pelham at Oak Mountain State Park. And a beautiful view. That was a real small lake. Anybody ever been there to Oak Mountain? Pretty nice, isn't it? And uh, been, uh, anybody do any hiking out there? Whew. Those are some hikes, I tell you. You know, I finally learned the other day how to read a topographical map. And I wish I would have learned that beforehand because otherwise I could have I could not have to go up all those steep hills. But uh, otherwise, it was fun. It was good. And so that was right outside. This was a little lake that was right there. It was really neat because here was a, what do you call it, a spillway. It was an old dam. And so you had like this natural waterfall from the spillway there. And so I'd walk down there. I'd just sit. And I try to just sit there and be quiet, but that trail, there was quite a few people that would hike it. Anybody that was in the cabin, they wanted to just walk back there. But it was a nice area. Uh, a lot of birds, a lot of turtles. I don't know why, but turtles just love sitting on logs all day, and every now and then you'll hear a pop, and they jump in the water. I have no idea what the deal is with that, but they love those logs. But one of the things I was struggling with is called the hiddenness of God. This is a big term, especially within the apologetics realm. Has anybody ever uh, heard of the term, the hiddenness of God? Basically, what the hiddenness of God is, is a term that's used meaning that we can't see God, okay? For a long time in my Christian life, I prayed like Moses did. By no means do I think I'm anywhere near Moses. But I would pray, God, show me your glory. Show me you. And I would honestly and heartfelt pray that. And I know scripture passages that no man can see the Father and live. I understand that. And then when Moses saw, I believe he was the only one outside of the Christophanies and Theophanies, if you will, that truly saw God, if you will. You got transfiguration, you have the inner circle there. But no one else that I can reconcile in my studies has seen God the way Moses did. So there's something special there with Moses. But I don't know if you're like me where sometimes in life 
my mind wants to chalk a lot of things up to circumstances. Uh, it's just circumstantial, you know, just coincidences. Or so-and-so was just being nice, and they did this. Yeah, I'm praying about this, but so-and-so did it, so thanks that person. I forget that I'm praying. Anybody else struggle with that at times as well? And so I was struggling with the hiddenness of God. So I read a book uh, that I've had for a while, probably about a year, but I've never cracked it open. But I took it with me, and it's called by Frank Turk, uh, Frank Turk and Norm Geisler. It's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Kind of catchy title. Anybody ever hear of that book? So basically what the premise is, is if you look at creation, you look at the universe, you look at worldviews, you look at religion, you look at the cross, you look at the resurrection, you look at what truth is, you look at everything... It takes a lot more faith to be an atheist and say this came out of nothing. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith to actually look at the claims of Scripture and look at a world and say there's got to be a creator. And that tomb is empty. There's no way around that. And so there's a little bit of faith that does have to be applied. But if you truly study it from an apologetic standpoint, you need a lot more faith to be an atheist, to just blindly and willfully be ignorant and say, all oh, this just happened from nothing. Nothing exploded and created everything, essentially, is what they claim. And so I was reading this book, and he got on the topic of the hiddenness of God, something I'm struggling with. And he made a very interesting point in the fact that true love has to have choice, right? It has to have free will choice, volitional choice. What Frank Turk argues, and I'm not going to say it as eloquently as he does, but if God were to manifest himself right here in front of my presence in a way that I cannot undeni- in a way that I cannot deny it, that could most likely take away all free will choice of me loving him because then I would have a visible, no kidding, I cannot deny the existence of God, and now because I can see him clearly like that, I have to believe this, so now I'm somewhat forced, if you will, to believe and trust in him. And if it takes away any shred of our free will, then he argues that there's a good chance it's not going to be true love. And so the fact that to have true love, you need to have a freedom of choice. And like I said, he explains it a lot more eloquently than I do. And I have the book in my office if you want to check it out. And so I'm thinking as far as the hiddenness of God, that if God did manifest himself right here in front of my presence... Yes, that would completely change, change how I respond most likely. But why would it change? Would it be changed because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross? Or would it be changed because there's no denying God's real and and I'm going to stand before God and give an account for my... You, You see what I mean? There's a little bit of a difference there. And so God really used that book to speak to me. But some of you may have seen this picture on my Facebook wall. And as I'm thinking about the hiddenness of God... And even still to this day, it's my new wallpaper on my phone. But I'm at that lake right there uh, by my cabin. And every now and then I'll just see something like come out of the water and just like, like that and it'll create some ripples. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, I have no idea what's in that water. Now I'm assuming it's a fish, right? But I have no idea what's in there. I can just see that something's in there based upon the ripples. And so I trust something's there. And so it's like with that simple ripple in the water, it's like God revealed to me with the hiddenness of God that even though I can't see God in the water, I can see him working all around me. 
just because I cannot visibly see him, I see his effects through people, through circumstances, through nature, and like I said, through illustrations. See, many times God uses people to answer prayers. But if you're like me, you run into the habit of saying, thank you for doing that instead of saying thank you for doing that, right? But those are the ripple effects that God is revealing to you and I to combat this hiddenness of God issue. And I've talked about this as far as spiritual gifts are concerned, and a lot of times people, you know, they want these showy gifts, if you will. But that's why gifts such as the gift of being a Barnabas, an encourager, or the gift of service, or the gifts of prayer, things like that, those are so vital to the church body because this is one of the main ways that God reveals himself through encouragement, through a kind word, an uplifting word, an edifying word. If you're a personal prayer to say, hey, I've been praying for you for this. How's it going? You know, can I get an update so I can pray harder for you? And so when I'm dealing with the hiddenness of God, it's like God, God just spoke to me through the ripple saying, just because you can't see what's in the lake doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't visibly see me right here doesn't mean I'm not there. Look all around you. There's evidence for me, and not only for me, but for my love for you personally. And it was, so that's how it started. So this is sequential, okay? This is a sequential order. So I, I go on this first hike, and this is the Blue Trail. You've done the Blue Trail, right? And I didn't do the whole 6.8 mile or whatever it is Blue Trail. I just did the first three overlooks. And so this was the first overlook. Now I got my earbuds in. I'm listening. Uh, I'm listening to a, a, a song, and... I'm like, I'm, I'm getting into it, singing it. I don't think I'm singing it out loud, but I'm like moving my hands and, you know, worship. And if anybody was there, they'd probably think I was crazy. But I got to a part of the song where, where the artist says, you know, everything is going to be all right. You know, and I'm struggling and everything's going to be all right. And at that moment, I get to this one overlook and I checked out the overlook. It was pretty neat, but it wasn't the actual spot. You know what I mean? So you can have like the main overlook spot where the sign is, but you might have this side step here and this nice little scenery. I'm like, okay, it's nice. I'm going to turn around, but something told me to keep going. And so I kept going and everything's going to be all right is the song I'm listening to. And then I get to this bench. And that's my hiking stick. I took a picture after the fact, but... What's on the bench is exactly how it was. And it was there. And it says, for you. And I move the next rock, it says, yes, you. And it's a note from John 3. And the old me would have chalked this up to coincidence, you know? And although this, it's kind of funny because this was somewhat of an evangelistic note, but it had no way of telling you how to get saved. You know, it's one of those deals. Hey, God loves you. He wants to save you. How do I get saved? But there were some key words in here that I was struggling with. Because it said, he will cleanse you and put a new spirit in you. It talks about this life can crush your spirit. And it will lie to you about who you really are. It just spoke to me. And it was a nice day. But I kid you not, if you can tell right there, it started raining at that moment. And I started crying. 
And then I dealt with that. And I kept walking. It stopped raining. That ain't coincidence. That's not coincidence. So that was great. That was, so ripple effect. Hiddenness of God, right? God's saying, hey, I'm not hidden. You can see me all around. First test, I'm a man of, of uh, you know, coincidence, if you will. Here's this note. Is this coincidence? <laughs> no, I knew in my heart that wasn't a coincidence there. And so I keep going. I'm like, you know, thank you for that, you know, this and that, and just worshiping there on the hike. And then the big letdown. Have you ever been to the Eagle's Nest Overlook on the Blue Trail? Anybody that's been out there? Big letdown. So when you get to the Eagle's Nest, it's the next overlook on the beginning of the north end, the north uh, part of the Blue Trail. You can't tell from this, but that, that is steep. I got back issues. By this time, my legs hurt, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, everything hurts. And I just, I just want to quit and give up. It was strenuous. I've already been doing... It was probably like half a mile at least. And this seemed like it was a half a mile going upward to see the second overlook. And this is it. You would think the Eagle's Nest Overlook would be this grand view. All the way up, that's where the, the bald eagles are. You got the bird nest and the eggs and wide open. This is the view, really. This was a horrible letdown. Come on now. And as I'm thinking about that, the letdown, it's like the Lord was just telling me, you know, many times in our faith and our walk, it's not about the destination. It's about the hike. And I really had to think about that. So while sometimes, and we're talking about it through James, we're struggling in life, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and the trials then we overcome it and we think the view is going to be more glorious than what it actually is. But it's like God was saying, it's not always about the destination. It's about the walk with me to that destination. I'm like, wow, that was powerful. But then sometimes it is. You see, because after that, the next overlook that I did was called the king's chair. King's chair is beautiful. I get up there, and uh, that's one of the views. That one was, again, very strenuous. Just as tough as the other one. But by the time I was trying to do this overlook, I've been hiking for like two, three miles. My back hurt, my legs hurt, my knees hurt. I could have just turned out. Every part of me wanted to go back. I've done enough. God gave me some things. I'm going to think about it. But I was like, no, I, I committed to go to this third one and then I'm going to turn around. And I committed to do it. And this was the view. This was amazing. It's because when every ounce of my body told me to quit, I kept pushing through because I made a commitment to myself and to God to do it. And sometimes it is about the destination and he gives you that glimpse of heaven at the end. And like I have here in my notes, it was at this part, this part in the hike, that was probably the closest to heaven I've been. Not literally, but spiritually, if you will, just with what I've been going through. And so I was excited. I was so happy, you know. So here, the ripple, ripple effects, and then you got the note on the bench 
Then you got the realization that the life of faith, the walk of faith is about the walk sometimes and not the destination. Then the aspect of you keep going, you keep pushing, you keep trusting, you keep loving, you keep serving. And God gives you such a beautiful view and gets you closer to heaven. But you know what I overlooked? I overlooked moments of refreshing. I'm struggling. I'm trying to figure stuff out. And I walked past this very beautiful, small little waterfall in a little brook or creek. And it was beautiful. The noise of it, the peacefulness. Because in the midst of my struggling, I didn't notice it. But when I was getting myself right with God, he was like, stop, you hear that? Every now and then in our walks of faith, we have got to look around to find these moments where we can refresh ourselves, to get away, to get alone with God, and to reinvest in ourselves. I love going on family vacations. I love going on the men's retreats. I love when we're able to go to Blue Ridge and stuff like that. But I've realized I needed this so much more for me alone with God. And it was amazing. So we have got to realize sometimes in our walks in life, we have got to figure out how long before we burn hot that we have got to pull off and find those moments to refresh ourselves with Christ. And if you're a man like I, I am or was, I should say, we've got to swallow, swallow that pride and say, I need Jesus because I can't do it alone. How many people heard of this? God's a crutch. Faith, religion's a crutch. Right? Yeah. You know what? Every time I go hiking, I find a hiking stick. And when I was hiking, especially on this first trail, <laughs> my back hurt, my legs hurt, my knees hurt. I had pain in muscles. I didn't even know I had muscles in. The only thing that kept me upright, and when I had to go on those steep, treacherous uh, pathways, if you will, the only thing was I would take that the hiking stick and I'd put it in front of me. And there were literally times I'd have to grab it with both arms and push myself up because that's how much I was in pain and tired. That stick was my crutch. And yes, God is a crutch. My faith is a crutch because without it, I would not be able to stand. And so when the skeptic, the critic, the atheist wants to say, oh, Christianity is a crutch. Yep, because I can't do this life without my Savior. And that's what I learned with that stick. And God is just telling me these things. Ripple effect. Okay, got that. Note, encouragement. This is not a coincidence. Got that. It's about the walk, not the destination. Got that. Sometimes it's about the destination. Got that. You can't do this without me. Got that. That was an amazing first walk. You see... And so, as I was walking, I'm going to show you this video. It, well, there's a lot of obstacles. You know, you cannot take a hike without tripping over a tree root or a rock, right? I mean, if you can't, I don't know, maybe you just walk on air, but if you're like me, I trip on almost anything. One of the most dangerous things for me on this first hike, because I was hiking by myself, I almost blew my knee out a couple times. <laughs> You know, just misstepping. And we were like three miles, four miles into a hike, and you got some treacherous terrain. 
<laughs> you're going to be hobbling back, and it's going to be hours, right? So yeah, there was nobody out there. But what I've learned was this hike was very rocky and very steep, very op- a lot of obstacles to avoid. One way I've realized not to trip is to pay attention to what's right here in front of me. If I pay attention to what's right here, then I will lessen my chance of tripping. But I also have to keep looking up to see where I'm going every now and then because I don't want to go off path, right, and then get lost. So what God was telling me was, in your walk of faith, at least, again, speaking to me, you got to watch where you are, focus where you are in the present. But you got to make sure you're keeping your eyes on me and looking up at me. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Don't worry about the, ba- the past. Like Bill taught a while back, it's in the past. Forget about those things. Worry about what's now and keeping your eyes on the future and looking for me, but focus on the obstacles around in this moment. Because I don't know if you could tell, there was an obstacle uh, right around my feet. I don't know if you could see anything. As I'm walking, about two feet ahead of me, slithers a snake. I don't know anything about snakes. To me, the only good snake is a dead snake, right? You give me some snake boots or something. But apparently that's just some rat snake or something like that. Matt could probably tell me. Matt's over here fighting timber rattlesnakes in, in his property. But So this little guy, you know, and then when he saw me, he just froze, right? And so like I said, in our walk with Christ... Don't worry about tomorrow. Tell me, don't worry about my past and how I failed and how I've struggled. Worry about the moment now. Well, keep looking at Christ. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just keep looking up to make sure I'm still walking towards God and not getting off path to make sure I don't trip over these obstacles. So the next day I do another hike. I really didn't want to do a hike with a buddy of mine, but because uh, I wanted to be just me and God, me and God. But I was like, you know what? He's a really great friend. I don't come out here very often, so we're going to do a hike. And I'm glad I did because I think God used Ken McClure to really help me. So we hiked to Peavine Falls. You've been to Peavine Falls? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful area, right? Uh, so Ken McClure, he's 72 years old. Uh, he's almost twice my age but he could hike circles around me. This man was a hiker. And uh, it realized, made me realize that because we're hiking and Ken, he's up there. I'm like, don't wait for me. I'm good, you know? And I'm like, I got to sit down. I got to stretch. I get my crutch, you know, and stretch my back, things like that. It's like God just told me, you know what? I'm not called to walk his faith. I'm called to walk my faith. I'm not supposed to pay attention to how God is using him or how far along he is in the faith or what he's overcome. No. God's asking me to walk my path, walk my faith, and not worry about the others. I love this guy. He looks so happy, right? Check this. He looks so happy, right? (laughs) He's like, come on, we're going to keep going. Right? Oh, I love him. He's such a great guy, you know. 
but God used him to allow me to realize that there are moments in my life and probably in all of our lives where we're competing or we're comparing. And if you have any type of ministry, like I got the apologetics ministry and in the beginning it was really bad for me. How many subscribers? How many views? Blah, 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 blah. And you're never satisfied, right? And so in your Christian life, in my Christian life, there may be times like, oh, I wish I could be like him or her or do this or that. God just told me through hiking with him, we're on different walks. Same goal, same person we're going towards. He may be able to do some things I can't. I may be able to do some things he can't. I'm not supposed to walk his faith. I'm supposed to walk my faith. And again, God's working with me, working with me. But then again, we have to realize that we're never called to walk alone. So again, I really don't want to go with Ken because I wanted to just be alone. But it's like, again, God used Ken to tell me I need other Christian people in my life to do this walk of faith. Like Pastor Ken said, we all need that pastor, right? We need the congregation to help each other. We got to Peavine Falls and it was beautiful. We got there and it started pouring rain. It started dumping on us. And so you can see my shirt. No, that shirt is just a cotton shirt. It looks like it's like a spandex shirt or something. It was pouring. And uh, it was just amazing to be able to hike with him, realize he's in a lot better shape than I am. And through the hike, we were able to talk about various things. And I asked him questions. He asked me questions. He had lost his wife, Roseanne, a few years back, and it really rocked his world. And so he was able to share with me a little bit about uh, his struggles with that and what he learned and how God's using him now. And so it was a huge blessing to be able to walk and hike with him. And so what about the hiking sticks? You see, the hiking sticks, both hikes, I had a hiking stick. I almost always have a hiking stick unless I cannot find them. But if you're like me, you got pains in your back, your legs, your knees, every, everything hurts. I needed them to get up these steeps, uh, steep slopes. I needed them to go ahead and just lean on and rest. I, I figured snakes were hiding, but I didn't know if they had mountain lions, cougars out there. So whenever I'm walking by rock formations, I was there was a time I thought I heard something behind me. And so I had my stick, you know, and ready. But there were times when it was pretty level. And like I said, I could read a topographical map now and I know walk on the lines. You see the lines on them? Walk on them. Don't walk across them. And, uh, but there are times when I'm walking on those, you know, I just got the stick on my shoulder. You know, I'm just resting it on my shoulder. Just like, hey, this is pretty good. I love hiking, right? And I forgot the stick was even there, you know, because I'm just enjoying life. I don't need it. Things like that. It was amazing. But even though... I forgot that the sticks were there. They were there the whole time. And it really made me think, again, when you're going back to the hiddenness of God, and when we go through life, there may be times in our life where we're thinking, you know, we're not thinking about God or, or we think, you know, he's not there. Anytime I needed my hiking stick to rest, lean on, to get up a steep hill, whatever, it was always there every time. And just like that hiking stick, 
Anytime we need God, we cry out to him, he is always, always there. That is my crutch. And that should be every single one of our crutches as well. And so, it was a powerful time, like I said. It was, got to the cabin, got alone, reading scripture, reading books, praying, talking to God. Had this ripple effect, hiddenness of God. You could see God's providence all around. Then from there, the note, the perfect timing of the rain that started and stopped when I was reading and left. It did not rain again afterwards on my hike, realizing it's about the walk, not necessarily the destination, but sometimes when we keep fighting through the walk, God gets us a little glimpse of heaven. Then realizing we got to watch out for the obstacles in our life while keeping our focus on our trajectory of Christ. Realizing without the hiking sticks, without God, without Christ, without our faith, we cannot do this. The fact that I'm not supposed to compete with any single person. God called me to walk my faith, not somebody else's. The fact that I need other people in my life to glean from, to get information from, to pray for, to have pray with me as well. And then like here, just because I don't use the hiking stick as much as I should, it doesn't mean it's not there. And the fact that God is never absent from us. If we humble ourselves, say, God, I'm sorry. I need you. Psalm 138, verse number three, in the day that I cried, thou answerest me. You give us me strength and strength in my soul. There's got to be that humility. So tonight, like I said, tonight's a little different. We're not doing James. And I just hope and pray that if you're struggling with any of these things, that maybe a little bit of what God has showed me these last few days will help you. There may be times in your faith, in your life, when the flesh and the adversary and the circumstances seems to snatch your joy, seems to take the peace out of your soul. I love the word soul. The soul is just the depth of your being. And if you've ever lost peace there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So in those moments, if we're struggling with that, we have got to realize that God is able to deliver us. Psalm 55, verse number 18, He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. And not only that, we got to realize that regardless of our circumstance in the battle, God can revive your soul. You don't have to drive anywhere to do it. You just need to humbly seek it through Scripture, through prayer, through humility. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength within my soul. You may not be struggling right now. Next month you will, maybe. Or next year you might. You might find yourself struggling and you just lost the peace in your soul. How do you get that back? You get that back by humbling ourselves to say, somewhere I lost it. And the only way to get it back is to go to the one that gave it to you. And that's Jesus Christ. And go to him through scripture 
through prayer, and through an honest heart seeking revival. So like I said, tonight I just wanted to give you a few illustrations that God spoke to my soul the last few days. And I just pray this is a, an encouragement. I pray it's a blessing and that the Lord would use this in anything that you may struggle with, one, all, four, whatever the case is. Because while we're in this tabernacle, we're going to struggle. We will struggle. Now we pray that the closer we get to Christ and the stronger our faith is, the less that struggle is or the less frequent, the less dynamic it is. But we will struggle. The question is, where are we going to go when that struggle happens? We could put the facade on all day long. But eventually, that unrest, it could take that peace very easily. And I pray it don't happen to you. And so now, like I said, when I got back, it's like I'm a new Christian again. Just, I've always loved serving. It, it, one of the things I love, I love teaching. I love preaching. And I love apologetics. You get me in those three things, oh, I love doing that. Every time I teach James or whatever it is, oh, that, that's my thing. I love that. But outside of those moments, it's like I just lost it. My fire was like smoldering, if you will. Sometimes people think pastors are these spiritual warriors and they're like all these supersized giants in the faith. Now we're just people like everybody else. You know, God can restore that. So I just pray he does. And so that was really what I want to talk about tonight. Uh, 15 minutes early. And so, hey, hey miracles happen. Uh, can't promise that next week when we're back into James chapter 3, verse number 1, talking about uh, let not many be masters for in doing so will incur the stricter judgment. And so that's an interesting topic as well. So for the chick, You know, I don't think these are chiggers because they're not constant. Uh, yeah, check your bed before you lay down at night. And uh, yeah, I, I seen a video of somebody showing a motel uh, bed bugs and it just... That's what nightmares are made of. And no, I think this is like spiders or something like that because lake, yeah, you had dampness there and then you had a lot of wooded areas. So I imagine they were just spiders or something. But still, the thought of just sleeping there and then something just on you for however long he's on you. Then I wonder the 28 times I woke up in the middle of the night, was that because 28 times I had something on me? Boring holes in your skin. Boring holes. And I, and I sleep with my mouth open, too. <laughs> it's like Spider-Man. Exactly. I'm not going to get into the debate as far as what Spider-Man is best. But, yeah, anyways. So, any comments, critiques, concerns, thoughts, any insight from anybody? Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I know the guy, it's probably hard to kind of open up emotionally to talk. No, that's how, you know I've I've cried more as a Christian than I have before I got saved. <laughs> yeah, she's like, yeah, I turned into a weeping baby. I almost lost it talking about that note, but uh, I'm a tender little guy. <laughs> but man, what? <laughs> you're, you're silly, buddy. Yep. 
even people with beards, you know. Seems to have had a big impact on you. That's really good. Yeah. Really cool. uh, Did Ken come for the same reason, or he just want to hike? No, he lives in. He actually lives like three minutes away from the park, and so before I actually got to the cabin, uh, he, he invited me to lunch. We had lunch uh, out there at this barbecue joint, and I just he was asking me what's going on, and he's one of the very, very few people that I can be very open and transparent with. One of the reasons is because uh, we've developed quite a friendship, and he's not here, <laughs> you know, and so I let him know a lot more that. Uh, I was battling with, and so coveting prayers, and I know he was praying for me every day that I was there. And so we wanted to connect anytime I'm in Birmingham. We haven't yet, you know, but uh, out there. And so it was great because before the trip, he uh, took me to a barbecue joint and, and had good food. Had ordered a BLT. It was like $11, and and it was like this thick of a BLT. I was like, really? But uh, But then hiked with him. And then the night before I left, he took me to uh, 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 the Oyster House, I think it was, out in Pelham, the Oyster House. And he was like, get anything you want. I was like, all right, cool, you know. <laughs> and so I was like, you are a blessing. So ripple effects. So now uh, it was just one of those deals, you know, he lives out there and been meaning to catch up. And I needed extra prayer. And so he was praying with me. So, yeah. Anybody else? No. I just appreciate your, your rawness. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what you're saying as men, even though I'm a young man. <laughs> I still pride myself on being a man. Yeah. And, you know, oh, I don't cry. I don't hurt yeah. myself. I'll just shake it off. It's no big <laughs> deal. Even though inside I wish I could be crying. You know, yeah. Just trying to hold it back. But I appreciate you just being yeah. showing your emotion about it. You didn't just go on this trip and you know, got a little emotional. Like you, obviously, it no. impacted you because you still. No. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's encouraging to see that you know men that are in leadership mm-hmm. can be emotional. And it's okay. Yeah. You, you don't have to be always tough. You don't have to be a right. never show any emotion to anybody. Right. That's good. I appreciate that. You know is. Yeah, I appreciate that. Oh, Pastor Ken said I was feminine earlier uh, this morning, so uh, maybe that's why. Maybe, Pastor Ken, if you're watching this, you need to do a little more crying, too. So, yeah. So, but definitely. So, finding revival, I'm no one special. Jesus died for you just as much as he died for me. If you need revival, you know how to get it. So, if no one else has anything else, then, yeah, well. We uh, we did a series a while back. I don't know if you remember it, but called Fostering Community. Uh, we looked at this aspect of trying to develop relationships within each other. And we look at uh, uh, three stages, if you will, or three types of friends. Uh, you have like a uh, level one friend, which you just know something about them. They come to open door, you know, 
uh, whatever. Uh, a level two friend is someone you know a little bit. You know where they live. You know what they drive. You know their sports, their hobbies. But a level three friend is is an intimate friend that you can be honest with. That you know what to pray for them about, and you know some of their deep, you know, uh, just issues, if you will. And most of us, most of us don't have level three friends, and that's a problem. Because we all need somebody, like Will said, that God will put in our life that we can just confide to. Whether it's confession of sin or whether it's needing encouragement uh, for a deep struggle, whether you're like me and you're struggling with things of some pretty heavy magnitude, someone that you can be open with and someone that's not going to ostracize you or criticize you. And unfortunately, many people in, in the church, not necessarily the, but the church, they don't have level three friends. We want to stay at level two. Hey, let's go hang out, watch football, whatever, and leave it at that. You can't do life alone. You need Christ in the church. When I say church, the people. Like Pastor Ken said, you need the pastor. And so, yeah, thanks for that, Will. And that's one of the reasons why God just made me go hike with Ken McClure. Say, I want to. And then be like, oh, I, he hikes around me. He, he hikes me in circles. It's like, yeah, thanks, God. Now you make me feel like this weakling down here. And uh, this 72-year-old guy can do all this. Yeah, thanks. Oh, yeah, manliness, right? Yeah, let's uh, kick that pride pedestal out from underneath me. Let's get it all done. So, definitely. So, all right. Well, if no, no one has anything else, we'll close in prayer. Just glad you're here tonight. Like I said, uh, next week, Lord willing, we'll be in James chapter 3, verse number 1. And we'll be studying the aspect of uh, teaching and using our words and being careful of what we say. And uh, it'll be quite interesting as well. So let us pray and we'll be done for the evening. God, I thank you. Uh, for this journey you put me on, and I thank you for the revival you've given me. And, and Lord, uh, I pray that you just allow me to maintain a consistency of just uh, being able to fight uh, the battles in my mind at times and with, with the adversary in the flesh. And Lord, I don't know who needed to hear any of this uh, tonight per se, but you do. And Lord, I pray that the Spirit would just work on their hearts and, and just allow them to find peace, solace, allow them to find encouragement and strength, uh, not through anything that I've done, but uh, strictly through you. And so, Lord, may the Spirit just do the work in this. And we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.